Hello, folks, and welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast, where we cut through the bias and extremism to find common ground that brings us together. I'm Sense. And I'm Theory. And today we've got a doozy for you. We're going to be talking all things government shutdown, accompanied by probably the best episode name that you have come up with (laughs) the entire time. I've never referenced one in episode, but I'm doing it today. Wall or Nothing is an amazing episode title, and I'm proud of you for it. Thanks, man. Thanks. Those are usually on you. (laughs) Before we jump into all that, though, uh, hey, we got our Patreon up and running. That's right. And we are 90% of the way to our first goal, which is really exciting. We are at 23 of $25. Yep. Uh, Super excited about that. But uh, if you go to Patreon and you look at the tiers, you'll find that if you join a certain tier... Uh, you get a shout out on the show and we actually have two people who have already qualified. And so we want to give a big hearty thanks to Aaron and Cameron Amadza, both for being patrons and subscribing to our Patreon. You guys are making this show possible and we couldn't do it without you. That's right, folks. We definitely couldn't spend that money on beer and cigarettes uh, without you. No, I'm just kidding. We are definitely going to use all that money to go towards making the show better. And thank you, thank you, thank you. So let's uh, let's talk some shutdowns, huh? Are you excited? I know that everyone loves talking like government procedures and getting into the nuts and bolts of how things work. Heck yeah, man. I know I'm excited. Yep. So uh, what happened? Well, Congress failed to come to an agreement on an appropriations bill that would allocate funding for government services. And on December 22nd of 2018, the longest government shutdown in history began, as we are all intensely familiar with by now. Yeah. Uh, and this was mainly because Donald Trump wanted $5.7 billion <laughs> for a giant wall with laser beams or, you know, some Dr. Evil-like shit. <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, well, the Democrats clearly uh, were not up to that. So basically the way this thing shook down, uh, you know, some of the government, there was a, a slew of appropriation bills that got passed last year, but there were basically like seven departments or so that were left. And as we approached the deadline, uh, you know, actually October 1st is the beginning of the fiscal year for the government. So they were passing like short term stopgap funding solutions while they were working this deal out, supposedly. Uh, But finally, we got to December. We hadn't made much headway. And basically, Trump's like, I'm going to let the government shut down. Mm. So in effect, he's saying that, you know, if you pass a stopgap, I'll veto it, you know, da, da, da. Right. So those things are in place, but they don't actually have to happen. Cause I mean, at that point, you know, he says, I'm going to veto it if you pass it. So McConnell's like, well, I'm not going to pass. We're not going to bring any bill to vote unless everyone agrees that this bill is going to have the 5.7 billion in it. Right. And as of December, what was that? 22nd. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't <clears throat> even in a Republican controlled Congress. Cause remember this is before uh, the midterm election results before those people got sat in January. Uh, even with the Republican-controlled Congress, they did not have the votes uh, to pass that appropriation bill. That's right. So the shutdown began, and yeah. And and now here we are doing this episode, and I, I think it's an important episode to do because a shutdown is one of those things that by now, uh, because of previous administrations, mm-hmm. um, have become commonplace enough that it's part of our lexicon. You know, it's part of it's it's part of the toolbox for what our politicians do. But I don't think people really understand what goes on in a government shutdown, why it happens, you know, what right. laws and mechanisms are in place that require it. Um, and, and the, the effects, you know, I mean, you've got people running around saying all kinds of things. Some people yeah. said 
tax returns aren't going to show up. Food stamps aren't going to show up. Other people said, oh no, food stamps will be there and tax returns will be there. So there's this huge question and news organizations are running things. And and part of that is because there's a lot of moving parts, right? There's yeah. a lot of or separate government organizations that are affected by this and they're affected in different ways. They all have different plans and mechanisms to cope. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really difficult to get a clear picture of what's actually going on. I mean, for me, I was like, well, let's see, we're going to shut down for two weeks. I didn't notice anything change. You know, they're yeah. non-essential employees. Why do we have this many non-essential employees? Why don't <laughs> yeah. we just ax them all, you know, cut right. them and let them go. Right. Um, so I thought we would dig really deep into the government shutdown and explain to you guys you know, what it's all Which, about as best we can. Well, to, yeah, to your point, it was a nightmare. I mean, like putting together this episode was a nightmare because here we are, we were coming off the break, right? The, the shutdown's ongoing. You've got things that are changing by the day. Oh yeah. And we're trying to like nail down this firm outline. And then ultimately by the time here we are recording this episode, now we're in this gap where the shutdown has ended, but it might restart. And you know, it's just, it's really complicated. So I'm going to tell you guys right now, uh, we did the best we could uh, with this episode. We think that we got, you know, like the highlights and the relevant information, but there is, of course, things that we are probably going to leave out, things that we're going to miss. You I know, guarantee, though, if you listen to this episode, you are going to come out of the uh, the other side with a firmer understanding of, of what shutdowns are, why they happen, how they happen, and what the effects are. Guaranteed, no questions. Uh, and I know the hard questions are like, am I getting a tax return? Uh, yes. Will the TSA still feel me up if I try to fly to California? For the most part. Uh, will the Mueller investigation stop? Does Trump get out of this whole Russia thing because he shut down the government? No, the investigation is separate money. In fact, Can we just do the whole episode like this? Manafort, <laughs> Manafort kicked like $42 million to the Mueller investigation. Mueller may turn a profit because of Manafort's <laughs> assets alone. Yeah. So, yeah. Mueller's got the funding. Suffice He's to not say, stopping yeah, the investigation is funded separately. It was funded, so it was never really an issue. Right. Um, so so let's go let's go way, way back to the very beginning and kind of explain what a shutdown is. Right. You know, what is a shutdown and why does it happen? Okay. Well, a government shutdown occurs when Congress and the president, for whatever reason, do not pass appropriation bills into law to fund some or all of the federal government. And I got to stop you for a second because mm -hmm. I don't know what an appropriations bill is. Okay. Well, fair <laughs> I mean, enough. That seems kind of stupid, but really. <laughs> uh, an appropriation bill, also known as a supply bill or spending bill, is a proposed law that authorizes the expenditure of government funds. It's a bill that sets money aside for specific spending. So in, or in order for the Department of Justice to function and do Department of Justice things, Congress has to appropriate money for the Department of Justice's budget. And is that because of the Constitution? Uh, there's there's some... Yeah, yeah. I mean, like... There's some mandate that says, like, you can't spend money. Well, yeah. So what it, what it amounts to, and the reason that we have shutdowns, is it goes all the way back to 1870. Uh, there was this law called the Anti-Deficiency Act. Now, prior to that time, if you... Uh, if, if the War Department, we'll say, because at the time it wasn't the Department of Defense, it was the War Department... If the War Department ran out of their appropriation money, well, then they'd just go spend money. Like, right. like, like when they ran, like Congress would say, okay, here's, you know, $300, run the, you know, War Department. They'd spend the $300. 
And then they'd be like, and we need some guns. So we're going to go buy guns. And they would go do that and enter into contracts and then come back to Congress and say, approve this. <laughs> because if you don't, the government's going to default, default on, paying, on this yeah. contract we made. So right. Congress passed a law and it stated um, that it shall not be lawful for any department of the government to expend in any one fiscal year any sum in excess of appropriations made by Congress for that fiscal year. Boom. Or to involve the government in any contract for the future payment of money in excess of such appropriation. Gotcha. So because of that, Congress has to explicitly say, here is your budget. Here's the money you can spend. Go spend it. Right. If they don't. Interestingly enough, if they didn't prior to 1982, uh, nothing happened. And we just kept doing everything that we had Right. So a government department could just spend, 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 spend. Yeah, pretty. I mean, and, and then, for the most And part. then put Congress in the bind of saying either the U.S. government defaults yeah. and screws a contractor well, out of their money. You had this law that you could that you could fall back on. So, you know, if you were the head of the Department of Justice and you started entering into contracts and stuff, you could be gone after with this law. So that did sort of prevent everybody from doing it. But what happened was there was a legal challenge in 1982 and the then acting attorney general, I think his name was uh, Benjamin Sibiletti or something like that. He said that his interpretation of the law is that in the absence of an appropriations bill, then things cease because right. how can you function without accruing costs and expenses and stuff? Now he did, uh, you know, make an exception for essential employees and we'll get into that here in just a moment. Um, he didn't completely say that the government has to 100% shut down, but his interpretation is largely like, I mean, you know, you heard the law. I mean, that's yeah, no, that, like. that makes sense on its right, face to me. Right. That's, that's so how I understand prior it. Prior to then we had had what's called funding gaps, which that's basically what has happened for the shutdown. There's a funding gap, um, without shutdowns, but uh, since then, uh, the government has shut down. Okay. Um, so in the, the 2019 shutdown, uh, was a partial shutdown in that only certain parts of the government weren't funded by December 21st, 2018. Right. Um, and it, it lasted for 35 days and the departments that were affected, uh, we've got Homeland Security, mm -hmm. uh, housing and urban development. That's HUD department yeah. of commerce, department of transportation, department of justice, department of the interior, department of agriculture, the yeah. executive office of the president, unfunded, yeah. uh, and numerous independent agencies, including NASA, uh, U.S. Trade Representatives, the Consumer Product Safety Commission, ouch, uh, the Federal Communications Commission, so no no big fines for those big yeah. uh, communications guys, the Federal Trade Commission, ouch, the National Archives and Records Administration, and the Smithsonian Institution. Yeah, yeah, we, we own the Smithsonian, so yeah. So, um, so quite a few... I would consider essential departments. Yeah, no, and some of them, and some of them are, and some of them have, um, they have like uh, data collection arms and stuff that that deems part of the department essential and part of it non-essential. But I, before we move on, I want to point out really quickly. So you know, we listed out separately some of those independent agencies. So like NASA isn't attached to an executive department; it is an agency that exists within the executive branch. But like NASA doesn't fall under Homeland Security mm -hmm. or the department, you know, now elements of it might la, 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 la. We're not going to go into all that. <laughs> but so when you see, oh, well, seven departments didn't get funded, it's actually, you know, more extensive than that. There's all sorts of independently operating, you know, agencies that were also affected. And then, you know, it's important to note, note too, like I said, earlier in the year, 
like half the government had been funded, like the Department of Defense and some of the other departments had already got their got appropriation, their appropriations bills through. Right. So you you very much have a partial shutdown, and that's what makes this so complicated. When we have government shutdowns, it's it's very often not the case where the entire United States government shut down. You know, and then once we start getting into the departments and agencies themselves, it gets even more complex. Oh, it gets right? really complex. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, let's let's take a look, for instance, at the Department of Agriculture. OK, um, originally it was going to be defunded for the life of the shutdown. Right. The, the department. But then uh, about midway through, I think it was like January 10th, the House passed a bill called the Agricultural Rural Development Food and Drug Administration and Related Agencies Appropriation Act. Mm-hmm. And that was a bill to restore appropriations to the USDA. Now, that bill went to the Senate and ended up sitting there until the end of the shutdown, right? <laughs> With the Senate, the Senate had it in committee. They hadn't busted a move on it yet. But why is this so important? Well, uh, inside the USDA and the FDA and stuff is where you have like SNAP, Right. And where you have WIC. WIC. And then on top of that, you also have something called the Farm Services Agency. So we found out that the USDA had enough money to fund SNAP through February. Right. So if the shutdown would have lasted till March, they could have funded SNAP. If it went past March, this bill was going to have to pass. Right. And also at the same time, the USDA decided that they were going to call workers back in over the course of the shutdown to have them man the Farm Services Bureau because they decided that the Farm Services, I'm sorry, agency uh, was something that needed to happen. Right, they, an, they, an essential an Yeah, essential they maintain, uh, the Farm Services Agency maintains uh, like loans. They're actually dealing with the bailout for farmers from the tariffs. Right. And all that stuff. And they were like, hey, paperwork's piling up too. We're going to call you guys essential. You got to come in. And and this this is like it's funny because you know we like to pass blame and say oh Trump caused the shutdown Congress caused the shutdown et cetera et cetera you know throw throw mud at the Democrats throw mud at the Republicans but as soon as this happened you had a lot of people not doing their normal work which Congress doesn't do a lot of anyway but yeah. uh, but really responding and trying to get things back on before the population. Uh, starts to really feel the effects. And that's not right. to say people didn't feel the effects because they certainly did. Yeah. Um, but now all of a sudden you've got people scrambling, you know, to flip the switches back on and get yeah. the money back flowing. I mean, yeah. can you imagine what would happen in America if, if food stamps stopped right, for, right. for a week? I mean, yeah. you had you had people passing all kinds of stuff around Facebook and then you've got New York. New York actually gave, I don't know if many states did it, but I know New York for a fact, um, gave people a month's worth of food stamps in advance and we're sending out notices like you have got to budget this. This is not an extra payment. Right, right. Like this is not a mistake. You just got, you know, four times your food stamps because they're not coming again for a month, you know? Yeah. Um, so they're trying to, everyone's scrambling to try to get ahead of it and mitigate, uh, mitigate the costs and, yeah. and, and the, you know, the, the cost to, to human life. And, and, Part of me is like, is like, why? I'd almost like them to just let it fail, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. so there's some kind of consequence to Trump from this. But yeah, yeah. No, no. I get that. I, I actually, I, I, I think that any time that the government shuts down, um, and, and we'll get into this more later, but there does need to be consequences, right? But one of the things again that makes this so complicated is look at a similar situation with the EPA. Uh, the shutdown started on the 22nd. The EPA had money till the 28th, I believe it was. 
So you've also got agencies that have different like budget considerations from last year's appropriation right. bill, right? So uh, I think the State Department on January 17th brought back 2,500 workers saying it would release enough funds to pay folks for two weeks of work and then see what happens. <laughs> so like they were pulling things from other budgets. And so that's, it's, you, you do have to, as much as I hate bureaucracies, uh, I do have to tip my hat to the people who man these departments who were, you know, like sitting there making a thousand choices every day. Like, do we let this continue to burn or right. do we let's bring this back for a minute? Do we have any money over here where we can do this? Right. And know? they do. And they've got, you know, they've got grant funding. They may be able to pull from over here. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got endowments or fees they can collect. They can, you know, let them operate for a little bit more. Yeah. I think the federal judiciary was able to use a lot of the fines and, and whatnot that they had collected and they were going to be able to run until January 25th, which ultimately ended up being the day uh, that the shutdown ended. But past January 25th, they weren't going to hear civil cases anymore. They could wow. only hear criminal cases. Oof. So, I mean, that's, so that's, that's what I was saying about the, the complex nature. Like day by day, things are changing and now we can do this, but can't do that. You know? Right. And I, I think, so while people are trying to mitigate the effect on society from this from this shutdown, um, there were a bunch of people that immediately felt the effects because what happens when we enter a shutdown is all employees that are deemed non-essential by whichever department uh, is making that determination mm -hmm. are are immediately furloughed. Right, right. Um, and that means boom, no pay. Yeah, go home. And I, I think I think you were telling me something about. Uh, it's a crime to even check your email at that point. No, absolutely. Like, yeah. If you are put on furlough, um, then it is absolutely, it is a crime to even check your work email from home. So uh, you were to have nothing to do with nothing your job. to do with yeah. your job yeah, at all. Yeah. And, and I mean, imagine being in that position as a, as a federal employee, uh, you don't know if your paycheck's coming and I know tons of people live check to check. It's not like all the government employees out there are just billionaires. You know, they're not yeah. taking lobbyist money. Yeah. The guy, at the department of agriculture ain't taking lobbyist money. Right. You know? Right. Well, the desk, jo maybe not <laughs> the desk jockeys aren't anyway. Well, it's, um, it's so, interesting that, that like, so we, we throw out this number, right? We say during the shutdown, 800,000 employees were affected. And in one form or another, they were. Now, these 800,000 employees are, in fact, when you hear that paychecks didn't arrive, it was for these 800,000 employees. Right. But it impacted them in different ways. For instance, the Department of Homeland Security is, uh, you know, a department that was absolutely affected by the shutdown. But think about it for a second. It's the Department of Homeland Security, right? That yeah, you, you can, can't just stop. You can already smell the word essential coming out of that name, right? Right. Uh, of the 245,000 department employees, 213,000 are classified essential. Now, what does that mean? An essential employee has to work during that time with and no still pay. not get paid. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, over if we look at HUD, HUD has 7,500 employees. There was only 350 of them uh, that had to stay on the job and work, uh, you know, without pay. Basically, right. you know, the rest everybody else got. Can paid. you imagine being in that position? Like, who comes in? To, I, I get being dedicated to your job. Right. I, I get it. Right. But make no mistake, we're there for a paycheck. Can you imagine being forced to come into like a super important job and have to do it and go, I, I don't know if I'm getting paid for this, you yeah. know, in a month, in yeah. a year, maybe never. I mean, historically, yeah. you'll get your back pay eventually. Right, right. Um, but still, 
those jobs well, aren't being done well, buddy. I'll actually, tell you that. <laughs> actually, you 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 raise a, a sticky point, right? Because there is a class of employees who historically have not necessarily gotten back pay, and that is government contractors. That's right. So another thing outside of that eight hundred thousand number, right? There is something. Uh, best projections are something like half a million employees who are basically independent contractors for the government. And they are not necessarily like the bill that guarantees back pay to the federal employees does not guarantee it to the contractors. Now, uh, there is a, a congresswoman or a senator, uh, but well, there's some beans of fodder for you. But uh, there is a bill in Congress to get pay to the contractors, but we haven't necessarily done that in the past with all of them. Right. And, I, and, so, and hopefully it, you know, hopefully it happens. Yeah. Hopefully it happens. Although I, I feel like anyone who didn't, get a paycheck from this shutdown. They ain't voting Trump in 2020. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> so you Democrats out there maybe better hope they don't get their paycheck. Possibly. I mean, I, I think the lion's share, I think, you know, the lion's share of the employees uh, definitely sided against Trump in this one. But I mean, that's not to say that there weren't people that were like, I understand it's my, it's my obligation to keep on working through the shutdown. They were out there. I mean, there wasn't a ton of them. I'm just saying they were out there. Right. And and so so this gets into like the human costs of a shutdown. You know, Trump wants his wall and and his base wants this wall and Democrats want to fight him on it. I want Democrats to fight him on it. I think a wall is stupid. Mm -hmm. Um so so you use a tactic, you know, and and you got to weigh the risk versus the reward. So now we're talking about real people without paychecks, in some cases, still going to work every day while the mortgage bills come in, right. you know, while grocery bills are piling up, you've got new babies to feed, you got to buy diapers. And man, let's be honest, a lot of them live to check to check. Um, so what does that look like for them? Well, a bunch of government agencies sprung to the ready, you know, to try to help <laughs> these folks, these poor hurting folks out. Yeah, and you, you had- all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff happened. Like the U.S. Office of Personnel Management sent out letter templates that that were basically uh, a way you could beg your mortgage company uh, to forgive you. Yeah. You know, and and and, and you, you should probably do that. You know, it was right. a, it was a good thing. Um, but the idea is like, just ask. Surely, surely your bank is gonna is going to understand and forgive you because yeah. banks are so good at things like that. Right. Yeah. Well, there, there, there was a, a rather tone deaf, uh, remark by, I think it was uh, secretary of commerce, Wilbur Ross, uh, where he was like, I don't understand why these people aren't just going out and getting loans. Right. You know just what I mean? Out, like, just, just go, go out, loan, get a know? loan, you yeah, know? Yeah. Oh, surely you can qualify for a, you know, 3% interest <laughs> loan, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. No. And, and some banks did, some banks were, were offering $5,000 lines of credit lot of with no interest. Um, yeah. you know, I, I, I think Wells Fargo caught some flack for not going far enough. They, they would like waive late payments or something, but, but yeah. a lot of banks actually did say, if you're a government employee, you're affected by this furlough, we'll hit you with $5,000, pay it back when, when we're shut back, you know, when we're, when we're turned back on, yeah. everything's fine, no interest and, and good on them. I mean. I'm yeah, not a big were, fan of big banks, but at least yeah. they're doing the right thing. Here. No, they did. They did throw in. I think uh, what was it? Bank of America, who doesn't offer personal loans, right? A lot of the banks were doing like interest-free personal loans. Uh, you know, Bank of America was like, "Well, we'll give you this like temporary credit card, interest-free, basically, and you know, you can go ahead and charge on that. It's interest-free. You know, we'll waive the fees and stuff until this all gets resolved and everything." Well, so. it's kind of funny though to me because like. 
it seems like damage control. It's like the big banks are like, yeah, we'll back up our government buddies here and and you know, we'll we'll I don't know. I think we'll I, ease the burden for them. I think that's is you know. I mean, I think there there's something to be said. Like for instance, I think the the Coast Guard, uh, you know, a high ranking official with the Coast Guard told. Uh, you know, the service members and everything that they could have a yard sale, yeah, hold a yard sale, <laughs> yeah. sell, sell your motorcycle, buddy, sell your charger. So there's something to be said about, again, like the tone deaf nature of some of those suggestions. Oh, and stuff. tone deaf. One of those but, letter templates, but I look at one of those letter templates suggested to trade painting your house to your landlord for rent. Yeah. That's pretty tone deaf, man. Well, again, I say like, but it came from people who have nothing to do with the shutdown. Fair, like fair they enough. have nothing to do with the shutdown. They have employees that they're just like throwing stuff at. It's like, you know, for instance, uh, I get a wellness. They're, thing. they're like throwing their hands up. Like we, we don't really know what to do. Like, <laughs> yeah, man, sell some I'm stuff almost, guys. We need I'm you almost, back eventually. Like just stay alive. I'm almost certain the office of personnel management took like, you know, six 20 somethings, threw them in a room and was like, write up some letter templates for us. And that's what they got. You know, yeah. um, I, you know, I get a pamphlet, uh, for my employer, like a, a wellness brochure. And like, I, I you know, I kind of wipe my ass with that thing. Like, you know, it's just like, <laughs> what, what, whatever, man. But, you know, but I mean, like they're making an attempt, you know, and that's, and I think you gotta, you, I think we very easily say, you know, like Trump is the, the U S office of personnel management. And this was Trump saying to the people, no, that, that decision probably never crossed his <laughs> desk. You know what I mean? Like, so, so by all means, blame, blame Trump, blame Congress, you know, the people who are involved in the shutdown for sure. But I just, to me, blaming the guy at the head of the U S department of agriculture for trying to, you know, turn shit into lemonade, you know, he's just doing right. the best he can. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I tend to agree. Um, blame Trump, blame Congress, because they all knew that what would happen as this shutdown increased and increased was that people were going to be in lines at food banks right. to feed their kids. Like you're going to have starving workers that in many cases are still expected to show up for work every day mm -hmm. um, and, and go in the poor house and, and the, the poor guy who, who doesn't realize that he can reach out. Maybe he didn't see the Facebook post or get right. the email. He doesn't realize he can reach out to his bank and, and ask for, you know, concessions like, those people are out there. Plenty of people slipped through the cracks. I wouldn't be surprised if you've got foreclosed homes at the end of this. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. hey, maybe not. Maybe maybe it wasn't long enough to to go well, that I would far. Say, but I would say, you know, the... the some uh, folks still don't have their paychecks. Right. And right. we're here weeks after the shutdown, yeah. and they're saying, like, we're trying to get everyone their back pay. But some people still, you know, two weeks after this thing has ended, don't have paychecks. Yeah. I, I would even make a case for putting people through the rigmarole. Like... So, you know, obviously the non-essential employees got to, you know, stay at home. Uh, but, you know, if you're an essential employee, if you're a member of the TSA, now you're you're working, uh, you're not getting paid for it. And when you get off, you got to go harangue with your bank to see if you can get forgiveness on your mortgage so or that you don't get try to out of your house. Paint your house, you know, <laughs> yeah. convince your landlord to let you paint the house or redo the deck. Like, yeah. no, nah, it's absurd. It's absurd. And 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 we talk a little bit about the human cost, but there's all sorts of spiraling effects um, that are really difficult to track mm -hmm. um, and and even harder to to even see sometimes. I mean, right. uh, Glassdoor.com, which is uh, which tracks like uh, compensation and and employee yeah, it's, well, pay it's a and jobs stuff. Website. It's yeah. a jobs website, and yeah. they do a really good job of tracking 
who's getting paid what, where, for what mm-hmm. jobs and stuff. They said that since January 11, uh, when government employees missed their first paycheck, the number of workers from affected federal agencies seeking new positions via the job search in, uh, by, via the job search site increased by 10%. Also, the number of applications for jobs at agencies that were shut down dropped by a staggering 46%, a trend that continued to worsen the longer the shutdown lasted. So you've got people who are going, eh, government work doesn't look so great right now. I'm not even going to apply. And who knows how long that that lasts for. You know, if we've got skilled, uh, educated employees that want to work for the government, now they're turning their backs and going, right. maybe not such a good idea. No, and I say, and I say that's good for a couple reasons, right? Like, A, I think um, it is good that we highlight all of these costs uh, to doing a shutdown so that everyone who's like, we're going to do a shutdown fully understands what it is that they're doing. That's right. And right? I think that's so why not, we're doing the show. Yeah, I mean, so it doesn't just happen because, you know, like you said, I mean, especially here in Kentucky, I personally uh, am over the span of the 35 days, other than hearing about it on, on the news, out and about town, you know, like going around and stuff, I did not see one effect. Right. I did not. You know, it didn't, it didn't affect me. I didn't have, you know, like my mail service obviously wasn't suspended. The post office was funded. But you know what I'm saying. Well, like I didn't l- see let anything. Me, like- let me hit you with some effects that you probably didn't notice. Um, for one, uh, many government uh, tech players weren't, weren't there. There were SSL certificates, encryption certificates for government websites that just expired. Mm-hmm. It happened to it happened at the wrong time. There were a bunch of uh, SSLs up for renewal and no one was at work to renew them. Right. So what happens? You've got government websites shutting down. They're not being encrypted. So, you know, you can click away the little warning that says, warning, this site is not secure. And now you're open for man in the middle attacks like that is some that is some not OK stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it was me, I'd say those people. They're essential employees. They need right. to be there to renew the SSL certificates, keep the data encrypted, and keep everything flowing. So you want them to work without paychecks? Oh, I want them to work with paychecks. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. I was just, <laughs> I was just hassling. Uh, research in a lot of cases halted. I mean, you've got important con- conservation research going. You know, maybe they're measuring the growth of of plants in various areas. They're mm. not there now. We've got this huge gap in the data. You know what I'm saying? Like Honest, a three week gap in data. Well, it's not. It's you not. You never even that. get that back. Uh, some of those experiments, like they're done. That's yeah. it. Like if you stop those experiments, then now you have to restart that experiment with a whole new cost all over again because you can't just stop and pick it back up. You, it's not like compiling numbers for other things. That's right. There was a slowdown in IPO filings. Uh, SEC says only 285 of the 4,436 employees were on the job. That's crazy. Uh, the, the SEC's online system where companies file for IPOs was still open. So so huge amounts of backlog were growing by the day because yeah. people were, were still, you know, applying for their IPOs, but no yeah. one was there to review them. And you would have to imagine that one of two things is going to happen. Either we're going to seriously, inefficiently uh, process IPOs for quite some time, mm. or we're going to pay for overtime. To get caught up on the backlog. <laughs> That's right. So the yeah. monetary cost starts uh, starts adding up. You know, I think loss in, in of, of research in some cases is is priceless. You can't put a right. you can't put a price tag on that. Who knows what we lost? I know a lot of people were thinking that uh, you know this came right in time for tax season. A lot of people were thinking tax returns weren't going to be filed. You know, you weren't getting your tax return. That's going to be a hard hit to a lot of people if that was the case. Although. Uh, 
you know, some stuff came up, I guess, under yeah. under Barack Obama, well, general counsel uh, of the Office of Management and Budget uh, overrode the IRS saying refund, refunds could not be paid until the government opens. Uh, and then the Treasury Department this time asked the current OMB general counsel to revisit that 2011 memo. And it was reversed to allow refunds to be paid after a supplemental memo was submitted to the OMB. Yeah, um, there was so, actually there was a IRS had a hundred and thirty two page contingency plan for how to do this. So there was a lot of, you know, freaking out and everything, which is understandable. You know, people thinking that there weren't going to be, uh, you know, tax returns. But very quickly, I think the parties involved in and by that, I mean, Trump uh, realized that if tax <laughs> returns got messed with, this thing was going to go nuclear. So the IRS, uh, they were ready to call their employees back, uh, deem them essential, uh, start to process it. The refunds were going to be paid. The website was kept operational and all that good stuff. Right. But they did say no live person assistance would be available by phone or appointment if the shutdown continued and no new audits. And this part is crazy to me because we're talking about a tax season where Trump's whole new tax plan is going into effect yeah. and, and, uh, people, you know, assume they've been trained on how to deal with it, but it's new. There's right. obviously going to be kinks anyway. Now you're asking a bunch of employees who aren't being paid <laughs> to like look over tax returns with all this new stuff going on. It's yeah. crazy. It's ridiculous to me. Uh, I think if that shutdown had continued, you could have, you could have written whatever you wanted on your tax return yeah. and they'd have rubber stamped everything coming through there. The guy's sitting back drinking coffee. He's not getting his paycheck. He doesn't care. He's on Facebook. No, you had actually He's playing phone games and uh, stuff. Not to trigger an audit or anything, but you had called me uh, to talk about that one night and I could just, I could just hear the dollar signs in your eyes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, but so, this, this thing, it did, it does have, uh, you know, like we said, like just deep uh, impacts that you may not even realize at first. And I think, you know, one of the places you can look is the economy. Uh, oh, the overall. cost. The cost of this thing was huge. Yeah. Well, it's actually, it's kind of funny. The office of, uh, 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 well, I'm sorry, the Congressional Budget Office uh, estimated the cost to the economy for the shutdown. And it ended up being $11 billion. That's twice what the wall would cost. <laughs> yeah. So the, he wanted 5.7 for the wall. And the cost was going to be $11 billion. And it also cut economic growth by 0.2 percentage points uh, at an annual rate in the fourth quarter and by 0.4 uh, percentage points in the first quarter. Now, most of those losses, because the, you know, the economy continues to grow and stuff, will be recouped uh, in the next quarter. But basically, $3 billion of that, of that $11 billion, $3 billion, we are never getting back. Yeah. So that absolutely That's is half gone. the cost of the wall right there. Yeah. And, yep. and I don't, ah, you know, there's, there's, there's part of this that gives Trump leverage and it's like, see, see, yeah. you should have just gave me the 5.7 billion, yeah. you know, look what I can do. Yeah. And it sucks because you know what, if we elect a democratic president next time, you know, who's to say they're not going to do this on guns yeah. or on, on, you know, whatever their, their pet issue is, you know, at this point we've, ah, it just kills me. It, it yeah. hurts. Like. We're damned if you do, damned if you don't. We could have given him his five point seven billion and avoided this eleven billion dollar, you know, yeah. hit to the economy. But but who wants to play nice with terrorists? Yeah, like yeah. you no, don't exactly. give in to terrorists, yeah. man. Like I don't care. It'll cost us twelve billion dollars, eighteen billion dollars. Screw you. <laughs> Stop this. This is on our backs, man. No, it it does uh, definitely raises the specter that if he is in any way like successful with this 
that this is going to be a thing. Please don't let him be successful. I mean, it kind of already is a thing. I mean, you know, it is something that's been happening since, like I said, 1982. We had the big uh, Clinton shutdown in 95, 96. You had uh, the Republican Congress, you know, which had just been elected. The Congress went Republican. Uh, They passed a spending bill, and they had all these cuts in it, and Clinton vetoed it. And, you know, caused a shutdown straight up. He was like, I'm shutting down the government. It's almost, you know, that's almost like the exact same act. I mean, granted, the context around it is different. Uh, Clinton came out of that ahead. He, you mm. know, he came out, uh, he ended up winning the 96 election. Yeah. Uh, you know, got reelected and everything. You had the, the 2013 shutdown under Obama, which is where basically, you know, you had the ACA had been passed and there were some appropriations bills that were coming up for October. And the Republican House and some of the Republican senators uh, were like, no, we're not going to do an appropriation bill unless it defunds the ACA or Mm. at least delays funding for the ACA. And Obama was like, if you pass that sort of bill, I'm not going to sign it. And boom, we had a shutdown. It lasted 16 days. This easily is the longest. uh, The previous longest shutdown was the Clinton one at 21 days. This was 35 days. So... You see them kind of increasing. Uh, you know, the first one was 20 years ago. Now there was just one like four years ago. Yeah. It seems like it's every other year now. Yeah, well, technically, actually, uh, there were three shutdowns last year. So this one, you know, this was the one that, you know, lasted and really had an impact. But there was an overnight shutdown. There was one shutdown that lasted like three hours uh, last year. So it is becoming increasingly a thing. And what's interesting about it is, I, you know, I told you the other day, uh, you know, out on our, when I have one of our famous patio conversations, if I said it to you in certain terms, you'd be completely fine with this tactic, <laughs> right? So if I, if I walked up to you and I said, Hey man, this guy, uh, you know, he wants to get something done that a lot of people have asked him to get done. And he goes up to the other person and they say, no, and he says, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make a stand. I'm going to draw a line and I'm not going to cross it. Right. It sounds great. Right. But we have all these things. And, and I think what's, what's interesting about it is, is that the shutdown in and of itself, I, I don't have a problem with it in that regard. Right. Like, so if you have two sides that can't re- that are at an impasse, right. Like, what are you going to do to relieve that pressure? But that's also why I want the shutdown to have as many visible consequences as possible, because I think it is incumbent upon the Congress and the president to keep it from getting to that point. But if it reaches that point, then, I mean, yes, I want you to stand for what you're well, there to do. What are, what are the other stopgaps in place? I mean, what, you know, uh, what else is there at yeah. that point? Yeah, you know? no, like, I mean, if, if you're both just sitting there saying absolutely not. And especially if you've got, I mean, you know, you could, the Congress can override the president. So if we go back to the Clinton example, right? Clinton can say, I can veto it. And if you can get enough of Congress on board, you can come back over top. But man, when you've got like. Unfortunately, we are so bitterly divided. Well, when you have a Democratic House and a Republican Senate, when you have a split Congress, like, hell no, there's nothing else you can really do. Yeah. And, And going back to what you said, like, I could see some context where I would absolutely support a shutdown. Uh, maybe I'm biased, but I think a wall is stupid. Yeah. I think it's dumb. I think if you're right. a Trump supporter and you're going build that wall, like, what are you thinking? Like, this yeah. is not one of those issues where there should be an impasse. It's right. so dumb. It's right. so petty and it's so useless. 
that it's it's like being slapped in the face with it. It's like it's like we we want we want fish for dinner. Shut down the government. Shut up. Yeah. Like what? Well, I think I think that there is a lot of public support for increased border security. Sure. Well, I think uh, you that- had Obama saying we needed to increase border security. Right. That's a bipartisan and, issue usually. And I think that I think that Democrats uh you know in my opinion have largely stonewalled on a lot of those initiatives. You well, know I saying? think it's the thing that this issue is the thing that that points hard at Trump's a racist. Um so they have to stonewall even yeah, if they would yeah. ordinarily support heavier border well, security, they can't give an inch because that is the linchpin right. in their Trump is a racist. Right. And and I was going to say that is to say even aside from all that, I still would not shut down the government over this wall. But here's the thing. What do you mean? I, I mean, would you give them give the $5.7 No, no, no. I'm saying as Trump, if you were, I would yeah, not I shut down saying. this government yeah. over the wall. But the difference between me and Trump is that I wasn't elected to build a wall. And I've been told for I don't know how many months that that was absolutely his campaign promise, right? Like any time that he's tried to soften, they were like, no, he promised everybody a wall and da 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 So- I mean, that's what he was elected to do. You can take issue with the election process. We can talk he about Russia and electoral colleges and all elected to make Mexico pay for it, you know, not, not the American people. Fair enough. And that's, that's, that's another issue that you can quibble over him. But I don't think that there's any question that people knew that if they voted for him, he intended to build a wall. He's the president. He was elected by the people. What's he supposed to do? Is he supposed to do we want him to not do what he said he would do? Well, and he bends over and he's called soft and a you know weak coward and this yeah. that. And the well, other. not to mention, would we want that with, you know, I like I said, on one hand, I get it because I don't like the wall, but at the same time, he is fulfilling his promise to the base, is he not? I don't know how big is that base now. I mean, how many people really want a wall now that's, after that's, the conversations happened? After that's you know, after question. we all understand that oh no, Mexico's not going to pay for it. It's five seven out of out of our coffers. Like I don't know if his base still wants the wall. If they do, that, they're dumb. That is an excellent question, and that is kind of what the shutdown is designed to expose, mm. right? Because that's basically what this is: is a political game. So we're going to play chicken, and we're going to see what the people do right. now. I think this was one of the most idiotic things uh, that I've ever even heard of because for Trump to ever think that he was going to win a popular opinion battle <laughs> in this country, and, and and that's before we even talk about some of the issues we've raised with the media, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not going to happen. So in that point, like, it to me there, it was a selfish uh, kicking the toys over in the sandbox move, you know what I'm saying? Because, dude, you're never going to win. Like... The media is never going to help bolster your argument. Yeah, how like, does this ever play the, in Trump's favor? The conventional means through which sides have won, quote unquote, the shutdown battle are unavailable to you, man. Like, that's just not going to happen. So, you know, and unfortunately, uh, he might have realized that to some extent during the shutdown because he started talking about rather unconventional means uh, where he wants to declare an emergency to get the money for his wall I that can't. way. Can you imagine? I saw a Bill Mitchell tweet. Uh, that that the president's just gonna just gonna declare an emergency, you know, if you don't put this five point seven billion in. And I'm going, what is the definition of emergency? <laughs> That's like an emergent thing that you must respond to immediately. You don't. It's not something you plan. Yeah. If it's an emergency, you react to it. You don't go. Well, hang on. I'll make an emergency later. The whole thing is just ridiculous. Like yeah. it's either an emergency or it's not. Right. Right. <laughs> no. And it and and what's what's worrisome. You know, on on one hand, let me say this. 
uh, like the entirety of the National Review, uh, you know, people people on the right, people on the left, both were like, no, nah, bro, no, 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 no. Like, and it became everyone very clear. except Bill Mitchell. Well, you know, except <laughs> Bill Mitchell and diehards of the base. You know what I'm saying? But it became very clear, very quickly that that wasn't going to get any traction. Thank God. But I was left thinking to myself, like, we're we're in a place like because of what's happened over the last twenty years, thirty years, forty years, where like that was even a thing. Well, like, you know, people who study politics every day, and I'm not saying that Trump's team's the brightest, but they thought that was something that might walk. You know and, what I mean? And, well, we've given the executive a, a might lot of power yeah. uh, in the past 10, 15 years. Yeah. Um, so the fact that the president can, in a state of emergency, allocate funds as he sees fit to deal with said emergency yeah. is kind of a scary thing. And yeah. guys, maybe we should start waking up and saying, eh, maybe we've concentrated a bit too much power in the executive. Yeah. Although Congress doesn't do their jobs, yeah. someone's got to have the power to do it. And if Congress isn't passing appropriations, who will? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, no, damned I if you. you do, damned if you don't. No, absolutely. That's why I I think that again, ultimately, um, you know, again, all the all the people who had to go to food banks, uh, people who are struggling to, you know, get their finances back in order, or still waiting on their paychecks, you know. In fact, I know some I you know, I did say that I didn't encounter any shutdown effects in real life. That was wrong. I know somebody and he's related to a TSA agent who, you know, had a vacation schedule. And he's not sure, you know, he doesn't know when his money's coming. He doesn't know if he's yeah. going to have any money to enjoy his vacation with. I mean, even that isn't fair to that guy. At the same time, I am glad that there are consequences like that because that is the stakes. And so if you are going to create a shutdown, whether you're Trump or Congress or whatever, if you come up with a bullshit reason like this, this wall, then you need to be lambasted. Right. You need to be blasted for it because you're toying with people's lives. Well, it makes me wonder. I'm not seeing I'm not seeing a big wash of like Twitter people, uh, you know, Trump supporters going, eh, you know, I'm soft on Trump. I feel like Trump's base um is is brainwashed. Yeah. They don't, you know, at this point, they don't care. They just think liberals yeah. are evil. The other side is so, so horribly terrible that they'll do anything Trump says. It's like the Q guys. You know, yeah. the Q guys would rally for martial law, yeah. which, you know, a year ago they'd have they'd have decried loudly, yeah, yeah. Um, would would gladly submit to martial law to to smash some liberals. Yeah. So I yeah, yeah. That's what and and I think we've kind of created that. You know, we've got Trump saying fake news and the media going after him so hard mm -hmm. that they're spinning up fake news stories and proving him right. Yeah. So you cement his base. You solidify that brainwashing. Yeah. You give them something to hold on to. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how you fight it. I, well, I, no, I don't, I I will don't know. Say, like, I will say, like, I think I think the base is the base. And the base has been, exactly like you say, through through everything that's happened. Uh, and, and maybe it was always going to be that way to begin with. But that base is locked in. They don't give a damn. Now, I did see Ann Coulter, uh, you know, shitting all over him for ending the shutdown. Really? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like she, I, oh. you know, two two miserable old Anne's credit. Uh, you know, she is consistent as hell <laughs> and has slammed him every day for not getting the wall built. <laughs> but at any rate, um, so I don't think you touch that base, but I do think that these kind of things definitely have impacts on, you know, the swings and the independence and stuff. And I think that now very much so, at least I hope, 
coming out of that shutdown that they are very much the Democrats to lose. Now, I say that. At the same time, I just said that I hope that they're the Democrats to live. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what you a clusterfuck, I mean? man. <laughs> yeah, man. So, so where did we, you know, we you know, we mentioned that the shutdown has come to an end, but like, where did we end up with the shutdown? Uh, well, ironically, this episode is, we were, we're terrible at timing episodes like this because <laughs> this episode is going to come out like the day before uh, the appropriations bill must be passed or we enter another shutdown. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't know. Right now there's talks going on. Uh, there's there's work being done on the bill to try to come to some sort of agreement and actually pass appropriations and budgets for all these agencies. But yep. uh, actually, and, it, and it looks like we're we're coming, making some small uh, amounts some of progress. headway. I was going to say, like, as of this morning, talks had stalled were the reports. But, man, I think... If the shutdown reopens uh, on Friday, that's political suicide. And actually, uh, you know, a lot of economists say that, you know, we think we got through the shutdown. That's cool. Like if you do a shutdown um, and, and, and even not to say that you're not losing money and losing growth and all that good stuff, but in one clip, you know, you could go maybe even 40 days or 45 days and stuff. But if you stop a shutdown and restart it, you start shaking investor confidence and mm -hmm. consumer confidence. And like, yeah, man, our standard and poor's rating starts going down. Yeah, like, I don't know what's going on over there. So to shut down again on Friday, a deal has to be made this week. And it's going to be really interesting to watch because now it's, it's another little game of chicken, but this time there has to be a deal come Friday. Well, and I think, I think Dems have the, have the advantage. I mean, Trump's like you yeah. said, Trump's base is solidified. They're his base. They're not going to budge. There's plenty of people that are still up in the air, yeah. uh, whether they're going to vote Democrat or not. I know that for a fact. And I don't think, I don't, th I think Dem Democrats came out of this clean. I don't think anyone is blaming the Democratic Party for this shutdown other than those crazy people in Trump's base. Because I think right. most people go $5.7 billion for well, a wall, you absolute jackass. Well, I'll tell you what was interesting to me was, and granted, the, the MAGA kid incident kind of played a role in this. But what's interesting to me is that Trump, if you remember the same Saturday that the MAGA kid thing was going down, Trump came out and, and offered a deal to end the shutdown uh, involving DACA. It was pretty much the same deal that he had offered last year. It was like a three Yeah, but it was toothless. It was pretty toothless. Yeah, that's fine. But the point is, in the middle of the shutdown, he came out and offered a deal. The idea there is to sway public opinion right. and to say, to say hey, look, I gave them a look, deal. They I'm don't want to hear to it. Negotiate. And Pelosi came back uh, on Monday. Well, actually, I, I think it was that day. I mean, they just said, no, uh, we're not. They didn't even propose a counter offer, and it walked. So, I mean, like, nobody. Now, granted, again, then the whole world erupted over the MAGA kids. So, like, I don't know how much of that kind of, you know, sidetracked everybody. But yeah. it was it was really interesting to me that I never saw the takes, hey, the Democrats aren't even trying. I really expected those, and it didn't even happen. So I would have to say that, yeah, he he definitely lost the shutdown battle, but oh, then, he's, you know, It had to have. And then- uh, I can't see anyone sane looking at this. Then he gives a State of the Union address, and a CBS poll says 72% of people who watched the address- Yeah, CNN Liked his- 79%. His, yeah, said they liked his direction for the country. I mean, I- you know, it's hard to tell, man. Who knows? But I do know that uh, he would have to be insane. In fact, 
I would be okay triggering the 25th Amendment. What is Trump, the 25th Amendment? Uh, the 25th Amendment is where the cabinet can have the president removed because they deem that he's no longer mentally capable of holding office. Or oh, physically insanity. Capable. Yeah, I'd be totally, if he lets the shutdown start back up on Friday, I'm cool with the 25th yeah, Amendment. No problem. You know I mean? yeah. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. It's actually, when you look back at how the shutdown ended on the 25th, what it basically come down to was 10 air traffic controllers. There was like, I think it was like six in Florida and four in Virginia, um, called in sick to work that day. And it started cascading problems. Like basically LaGuardia had to shut down for a while. There was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Shut there was LaGuardia big delays. Down, see what happened. And you shut LaGuardia down. Now all of a sudden there's problems in Philadelphia and New Jersey. Next day, the government was reopened. Oh, so oh. like, so that's already like the breaking point that we were at. Um, where they, the, the air traffic controllers, um, they have all these regulations about when they can work and when they can't work and, and all this stuff. And they were coming in and having to work, uh, without being paid and everything. Right. And then finally, like I said, 10 of now, now we did get lucky because there's no evidence that like the 10 of the, like they coordinated. Cause if they coordinated, that's actually against the law. You can't you know, do something like oh, that's that. That's on like the level of treason or something. You're yeah. like interfering with <laughs> yeah. government yeah. operations. If you're, if you're the head of something that's like important national defense or something like that, you can't like all be like, we're going to walk out today, yeah. you know, <laughs> let's organize a strike. But yeah, we were, we were on the verge of massive problems and I just, I cannot see it starting back up. Again. Oh, if food stamps hadn't hit, if tax returns, you know, weren't going to go out and you know, who knows, they might not get their, their internal stuff up yeah. to par quick enough next time like. i will say it is trump you know i anything that <laughs> two weeks i might be coming out and being like well i was an idiot uh <laughs> the world's on fire what are we gonna do yeah the world's on fire soon we're gonna be on fire beans our fact checker extraordinaire who has been listening to this entire <laughs> episode as we recorded it and he's probably written down every factual inaccuracy that was a really and- interesting segue man i gotta tell you i like that <laughs> i like it i like it no, okay, it was, it was off good. the top of my head. Yeah. No, no, it's good. Anyway, Beans, he's going to he's gonna light us up. Oh, screw Beans. So, uh, Beans, what you got for us today, buddy? I want you boys to know that this has to have been the most insightful and educational episode you've ever done. Not so much for your atrociously garbled explanation of a government shutdown. I mean, hell, you didn't even get the start date right. It was the 22nd, not the 21st. No. It was the clear and concise window into just how duplicitous and terrible you both are that I think is an invaluable educational opportunity for our listeners. At the top of the show, you mentioned our newly pledged patrons and their amazing generosity. You failed to mention that both of them pledged at a high enough level to officially be considered Beanzo's buddies. So Cambo, A-Dog, just let me take a moment to apologize for the deceitful manner in which these two chuckleheads implied that your invaluable monetary donation was a ringing endorsement of the show. Clearly, you intended to show your wholehearted enjoyment of this show's extraordinarily well-done fact-checking segment and acknowledge my genius. These two would have people believe that you'd throw in your support with the type of guys who misquote CNN polls. That's 76% approval, not 79 They want us to think that you'd enable the type of in-depth show prep that leads a man to say on air, well, she's a senator or a rep or I I don't know. That's a beans thing. It's going to give up, huh? Theory, neither I, C-Money, 
my brother from another mother, Aaron, nor Senator Tina Smith appreciate your lack of commitment. Of course, you're the same guy that said the Dems didn't offer a counterproposal. Their position throughout the entire shutdown was that they were happy to pass the appropriations bill the Senate unanimously approved on December 19th. But yeah, sure, Mr. Let's Get Past Bias, they were just completely unreasonable. So A. Rooney, can the men, I want you to know that I understand your intentions despite this vicious spin the fellas laid on you today. And I promise you both that each week I'll keep bringing to the show the same uncanny natural talents that you so understandably cherish and so obviously adore. You're both quite welcome. Fellas, back to you. Beanzo, you are just a slice of humble pie, man. Look, you know, he's so down to earth and grounded, isn't he? You notice that instead of thanking the supporters... He said no. you're welcome. Yeah, he told them they were welcome. <laughs> Good God. What? Man. All right. Well, hey, guys, uh, you know, just a quick reminder, like we said, we're every two weeks now, so we will be back in two weeks, and uh, we're actually pretty excited. We're going to be doing an episode all about Fermi's Paradox, unless, uh, you know, a revolution or something starts in the meantime that <laughs> might, you know. Yeah, but, which may happen after Trump happen. declares a state of emergency in martial law <laughs> for wall funding. No doubt. But yeah, right now the plan is uh, Fermi's Paradox. So we're, like I said, both looking forward to that episode a lot. Yep. And if you enjoyed the show, uh, please share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter. Uh, come follow us. Come join the discussion. Hit the Patreon. We've got uh, 90% of the way to our $25 goal. We just need one more subscriber to push us over the edge. We'll get pop filters for these mics. It'll be great. Okay, and that is everything that we have to say. So we'll see you guys next time. Hello, folks. This is Theory, one-third of the Sense and Theory podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as we did making it, but I want to take a moment to remind you that the discussion doesn't end here. Pop on over to senseandtheorypodcast.com where you'll find all the necessary links to tell us how brilliant and or stupid we are on social media. If you like what we're doing here and want to help us with the crippling cost of all the writers in Beanzo's contract, check out our page at patreon.com slash If you can't chip in financially but still want to show your support, you can always rate and review us on iTunes or just tell your friends and family about us. Either way, thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks.